the direct approach. I admire that in a man with a mask. <laughs> you don't really think you'll win, do you? Things change. Who are you? Who's the man behind the bed? Maybe you can help me find the woman behind the cat. No. Mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. What is up, everybody? How you doing out there? Doing great. It's Saturday. It's the 23rd, and I'm on vacation. This is my last bit of uh, things I need to get done before I officially take the next week and uh, just relax with the family and go do some fun stuff and just uh, get away from the world. So, uh, and this isn't a job, you know. Even though if you go to my Facebook page, all of uh, all of my friends out there who are listening to the show, if you are my friend, if you actually go to my personal profile, you'll see that I am the CEO of Masunas Entertainment. Uh, so it's kind of a funny gag. It's supposed to be funny but kind of serious at the same time because I am the CEO of Masunas Entertainment and I work at Sweep Delay Podcast. So, I, you know, I saw some of my friends, uh, you know, say they work at their podcast. I was like, ah, I'm going to try that, but I'm going to be kind of funny about it. So I kind of made a joke. So uh, a few days ago I put uh, CEO of Masunas Entertainment. So it's all good. It's it's all fun and uh, so yeah it, it's good but this isn't a job this is totally fun so uh, but this is the last on my checklist to get done today get this episode out to you before uh, I officially commence on the funness now uh, before we get rolling into the review of Batman Returns let's get into some movie and music news. So this week in movie and music news, uh, the first thing I saw this week was uh, the trailer to the Dread. Uh, it's funny, I had just reviewed Judge Dread for the Guilty Pleasure series, and I had mentioned, you know, you guys had mentioned in the emails how there was a remake coming. I'm like, I don't know anything about it. And sure enough, here comes the flipping trailer uh, this past week. And what was really cool is, you know, I heard one of the biggest complaints was the fact of the mask was taken off. 
in the film. And uh, it looks like in the trailer, you don't actually see the guy playing Dread take his mask off in it at all. But the cool thing is, I like the guy who plays Dread. Uh, he was actually the guy opposite of Dwayne The Rock Johnson in the movie Doom, which was, uh, I, I enjoyed him in that film. He was also uh, in uh, Priest. He was the main bad guy in Priest. And he was also in the uh, Vin Diesel Chronicles of Riddick film. He was also the bad guy in that. So, uh, you know, this guy, uh, his name's Carl. I, and uh, I, I don't really recall his last name, but I always know his first name's Carl. And, uh, and I like this guy. I think he'll be good. I, the movie looks good. I'm, I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I'll definitely check it out. Will I check in the theater? No, I won't check in the theater. But I will more than likely check it out for sure when it hits DVD. So, uh, so yeah, that trailer was pretty cool. Now, in other movie news, there was... Uh, I finally saw the trailer to Monsters, Inc. sequel. Uh, it came out roughly about two or three weeks ago. Uh, and the name of the movie is called Monsters, uh, Monster University. What it is, it's a prequel to kind of how Mike and Sully met. And uh, it was a really funny trailer. Although they do look a little different than they did in Monsters, Inc. And I'm just hoping it was just a bad trailer I watched. Because I just had a really hard time finding it. They kind of look a little less cool than they did in Monsters, Inc. But... I'm just going to say it was just a bad trailer. But uh, what I mean by that is bad quality trailer that I found on YouTube. So I haven't found the official one yet. But what I saw of it, it looks really cool. It's not coming out, though, till next year in uh, 2013. But uh, I'm, I'm pretty pumped up for it. I love Monsters, Inc. It's actually my favorite Pixar film. And uh, I'm very excited to see uh, those two again together. Now, something that I thought was really interesting today is uh, yesterday there was a news report that uh, the Need for Speed uh, video game franchise, which, you know, the Need for Speed games, uh, I'm a big fan of those games. A lot of them are hit and miss for me. My favorite Need for Speed game is Most Wanted because it was the first one. See, Need for Speed Underground was the first uh, PlayStation 2 game that I ever bought, and I spent hours upon hours in that game, but all the Need for Speed stuff took place at nighttime. So Most Wanted took the original Need for Speed Hot Pursuit and mixed it together and added the cool street cars along with the cops chasing after you, but the best part is it was during the daytime, and that's why that game was the best. And then they eventually did... Uh, like drifting, you know, it really matched kind of what the whatever the Fast and Furious movies were doing, or kind of how these uh, games were being mirrored after. So there's been a lot of good games and a lot of crappy Need for Speed games, but they're finally going to make a movie. Now here's the thing: how can you really pull off this movie without copying the Fast and Furious franchise? Really? I mean, now granted, the new Fast uh, series is going in a different direction. Ever since Fast Five. They said that Fast Five starts the beginning of the new change where they're making them in the heist films. So Fast Six, which comes out next year, will be the second to last film to to finish off the story. So I know they're making it a more heist film, so I guess that'll kind of be the advantage. But I'm just curious. I mean, a lot of people are just going to look at it and say, oh, you're ripping off Fast and Furious. So, you know, I, I hope that everything works out for them. I'll be interested to check it out. Um, there's not a lot of information on it. It just kind of got greenlit the other day. Uh, but one of the cars I did see that was being promoted was, if you watch Knight Rider 2008, was the uh, Ford Shelby GT uh, KR Mustang. And that was uh, it was a gray version of that car. 
is what was shown for when they were promoting the movie announcement. They showed me a picture of that in the article. So uh, if that car is in there, that's going to be flipping sweet. So now uh, something funny is, uh, you know, I talked about Machete uh, uh, a while ago, how it was just an off-the-wall, crazy, ridiculous film. But I had a lot, a lot of fun in it. So they're making a sequel to it, which is called Machete Kills, which I've touched on a, a few times. But... Uh, one of the newest cast members added to that film was Charlie Sheen. He's supposed to play the president. So this is going to be totally jacked up, man. I, I can't wait to see how bad or how awesome he's going to be in this film. I'm pretty excited for it. Uh, so yeah. Now, uh, in other news, Michael Bay finally came out about the Transformers 4 uh, plot. Uh, they actually have to make the money uh, cheaper than they did on the last one so what they're doing is they're not it's not a reboot uh what they're doing is they're taking the, the three stories from before uh those movies count but they're going in a new direction so they're leaving those three movies in the history but they're moving to something you know different now a lot of people asked are you going to be going on cybertron they will be touching on cybertron but they're still going to be on earth because that's the, what, that's the thing that keeps the films grounded is what he says. Uh, and then the budget was cut by 30 million bucks. So they have to film the movie to about 165 million dollars. So, And then there's going to be some redesigns and all that fun stuff. But overall, uh, just so you guys are clear, it will be a continuation of the three movies. It's just not going to have anybody from the th any of the three movies in the film. So... So yeah, that's the uh, that's the most updated news I have for the Transformers 4 film. And for my last piece of movie news, and this is kind of huge, uh, Curse of Chucky begins filming this September. Yes, the story has officially broke today. And here's the deal. Uh, and here's if you guys want to get the aspect of what they're going to be doing. Uh, it's no longer a rumor. Universal Home Entertainment, they're getting rid of the, the comedy. And uh, they're doing a fifth sequel to 1988's Child's Play. It's going to be called Curse of Chucky. It's going to be written, directed, and produced by Don Mancini. Now, if you don't know who this guy is, this is the guy that created Child's Play. Uh, so if he is behind the wheel, uh, which he's talked about getting the, you know, doing a, re a reboot, but still bring it back, uh, the guy who does Chucky as the voice. But uh, I think it's kind of cool, though, that uh, he's going to do a continuation of that. But uh, he's going to write, direct, and produce it. And he's going to take out the comedy. And he's going to bring it back to the way it was uh, the first time. There's going to be more emphasis on making it scary again. Uh, so there'll be a throwback to the first three Child's Play movies. And uh, they're going to be focusing more on the, the quote-unquote nasty Chucky. Uh, the scary little SOB that leaves nobody standing around and uh, gives gives a crap about anyway. So it sounds real exciting. I'm pretty uh, I'm pretty excited for it to see where it goes, but uh, it will not uh, be like uh, Bride of Chucky or Seed of Chucky. It's going to be like the first three Child's Play. So we'll see how that all goes into play. So that's what I have for movie news. Now let's get into some music news. All right. So the the Bieber, you know, the guy that I just can't stand, Justin Bieber. Now, funny enough, though. I do like Justin Bieber when he was in Punk. I thought he was really funny, but like I said, I just don't dig the guy's music. But uh, his new album, Believe, is aiming for a 390 to 410,000 debut week, which 
you know, nowadays, that's considered pretty huge. You know, with the whole digital media age and people not buying albums, they only buy singles. This is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty big. Uh, it's still on course for the largest debut week of the year. And, uh, and they say that uh, if by the end of Sunday, the 24th, it could uh, easily debut at number one on the Billboard 200. So guess we'll see how, how that goes. I know Fiona, Fiona Apple, uh, which had kind of fallen off the map for a while, has recently re- uh, released the new album, The uh, Idler Wheel. So uh, it's it's tying in at the top five right now. It's sold about 60,000 to 70,000 CDs, give or take. Now, of course, country usually tears up the charts, so Kenny Chesney, when he gave out a new CD, uh, not gave, but released a new CD, Welcome to the Fishbowl, that one came in at about 200000 So he is currently at, sitting at number two, and then Usher is uh, sitting at number three. He was at number one last week in regards to losing four myself, but he is dropping down uh, to number three. So yeah, those it's kind of interesting that uh, that the Bieber is uh, is is kicking it now. Uh, the Rock of Ages soundtrack. Uh, I heard some of this, and you know I didn't know Tom Cruise could sing. Now Rock of Ages is that movie that came out, you know, where they do a bunch of uh, you know Def Leppard and that kind of stuff. But man, believe it or not, I heard some of this, and I was I was utterly impressed on how good the soundtrack was. To Rock of Ages. I mean, I may never actually watch the film. I probably have no desire to see it, but I wanted to go pick up the soundtrack after I heard like five tracks. It was so good, and I couldn't believe it, man. I was in utter shock. So, uh, Tom Cruise, man, I had no idea you can sing, but you got a good singing voice, sir. So, not a whole lot outside of that going on in music. So, let's get into some TV news. You're too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. Okay, now for TV news, on this week's cover of uh, TV Guide, uh, you'll probably see TV Guide's uh, Guilty Pleasures. And on the front of the cover is my favorite, uh, one of my favorite shows of, of the summer, and that's Teen Wolf. And, you know, you would think that this show would suck because it's an MTV show, and we all know MTV. They got Jersey Shore up on there. They don't play music. Uh, but Teen Wolf uh, has surprisingly become one of my favorite shows to watch. Uh, it is just so flipping good. You know, I, I was thoroughly and utterly impressed with season one. Now, Teen Wolf, you know, was a Michael J. Fox movie. And uh, and what they did with the TV show is they just essentially just took the, the name of the characters and the town, changed things up. There's no basketball. And they made it serious. And uh, it, I really dig the characters. And uh, the werewolf, when they do actually show them, look amazing especially for an MTV show. Uh, very good stuff. Season 1 was really good. Season 2 is off to an excellent, excellent start. I'm actually, uh, I think Season 2 is going to kill Season 1. I'm loving it. Great stuff. Burn Notice came back. Uh, of course, I'm loving that. And uh, it's just so good, man. I love the summertime shows. The only thing that sucks about Teen Wolf is it only comes out once a year. It only releases during the summertime. And there's only 12 episodes. So after the 12 are up, that's it. You got to wait till next year. So uh, Two Broke Girls, if you are a fan of that show along with Mike and Mally, they have actually got some off-network deals planned ahead for them. Now, they're currently on the CBS ne- uh, CBS television network. So, you know, of course, that's with Big Bang Theory. And they're actually doing very well. 
So what they did is they have them signed to TBS uh, in 2015 uh, for Two Broke Girls to go along with uh, Mike and Molly. So now I'm not sure if that's going to be where it strictly goes to that station or if it's going to be the deals are in play for them to run, you know, reruns and stuff like syndication kind of thing, which I'm thinking is the case because, you know, uh, TBS does that now for Big Bang Theory. So it only makes sense. So so not a whole lot of TV news. I'll have a lot more news for you guys when I return, which I'll get into uh, the, the schedule for the remaining movies when I get done with the review. But, uh, but yeah, let's get into the review of Batman Returns. of Gotham, a new villain emerges. You didn't invite me, so I crashed! From the rooftops of Gotham, the perfect enemy comes to life. save this city is a creature of the night. Hey, stud. I thought we had something together. We do. While she craves a romance she can sink her claws into. You can't never go. He plots a foul reign of destruction. My dear penguins, thanks to Batman, the time has come to punish all of Gotham! Alright, Batman Returns time. Now, uh, I'll tell you, I really wasn't looking too forward to this review, uh, but I knew I had to get it out of the way to to continue on. Now, uh, I have a lot of love-hate relationship with this film. Here's the thing, man. After you know, after the first movie came out and, uh, and I heard that there was going to be a sequel to this movie and I found out Catwoman was going to be in it. Catwoman is my second favorite 
uh, you know, from the from the Batman mythology, you know, outside, you know, I guess it'd be Batman, Joker, and then Catwoman. Uh, Penguin, I wasn't too, I wasn't too excited about, but when I found out Danny DeVito was gonna do it, I was like, I was real excited. Uh, and then uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, I was a big fan of Michelle Pfeiffer, and then of course Michael Keaton, I knew it was gonna top billing. I was like, yes, finally, you know, it's gonna be a Batman movie. And uh, I'll tell you, I really got pumped up because when I saw the logo. And uh, this is what got me so fired up for the film. Uh, I saw the logo and there was snow all over it with wind blowing. I was like, man, that looks sick. Oh, I just love the way it looked. Um, there was, I was so pumped up for this film and the biggest thing they did it was the bat, the cat and the penguin. Uh, there was this special on TV and uh, of course, if you have the DVD special edition set, you have this, uh, special on there and I'll tell you, they, man, the trailers look so good. The bat, the cat and the penguin was just like so fired up. And then McDonald's was all about the toys and there was like cups and it was just so flipping, man, the hype was just ridiculous for this film and and of course i was you know after the first movie i was like man i love the first movie so much this second one is gonna be so great uh i can't you know i'm just my expectations were beyond beyond compare i mean it was just so much hype for me to see this film i mean i had posters i mean i i had everything so uh then then i got to watch the film and, uh, you know, I walked out of the film and, you know, I was a kid and I was like, I think I like it. I think I like it because Batman was in the film more than he was in the first one. I think I like it. I don't know why, but at the same time, I don't and I don't know why. So I, I really had this this complex. So over the years, you know, I started to say, oh, you know, kind of convince myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like this. You know, I, I actually got the tops uh, trading card set. Uh, I spent like, I don't know. There was like 100 cards. It was like 50 bucks. I mean, I, man, these were like in mint condition and they were so cool looking. And I was like, man, these are going to be worth so much money later and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I just started to kind of convince myself that I really, really love this movie. So then everybody would say how dark it is and stuff. And and uh, and I guess I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, it's a lot darker than, than the first one. You know, and now, now looking back at it, I don't think this film is dark. I just think it's dirty. You know, I think that's the best way to describe this film is the fact of it's dirty. You know, because there's a lot of people that say that this film is somehow more lighthearted than the first movie, which I'm not really sure where those people are coming from that say that. And then there's the people that say it's real dark. You know, and then, of course, uh, you know, you look at the the Christopher Nolan series, you know, and, and here's the difference. Christopher Nolan did it right. Tim Burton didn't do it. Uh, and this is a Tim Burton film because, you know, he didn't want to come back. Uh, he was just so kind of burned from doing the first one. And like I said, back on my last review, there was no such thing as franchise. There was no such thing as a guaranteed sequel. So the fact of getting them all back was a, was a big deal. But I noticed, uh, you know, costume changes. I was like, oh, I'm not really digging the new bat suit too much. But the Batmobile was still in there. I love the way Catwoman looked. And then Penguin. 
I was like, okay, you know, he's kind of scary looking, but I love Danny DeVito. But, you know, watching it and coming out, I was like, man, I was really confused what was going on in this film. And, you know, there's a lot of plot problems with this film, which I can definitely see now. Uh, You know, don't get me wrong. I don't completely hate this film because there are some things in this film that I really, really do like. However... There's more, way more problems in this film than there ever was in the first film, which which we'll get into. So let's get into the overall plot of the film. So the movie came out in 1992, and uh, you know the cool thing is we had uh, Michael Keaton back, Tim Burton was back, and when I saw Michael Keaton's top bill, I'm like, yes, yes, you know, Batman finally gets to be, you know, you know, gets to be the main star of the film. Now, uh, Daniel Waters delivered the script to to Burton, which if you don't know daniel waters is the writer of uh of heathers now you know daniel waters i mean we're talking crybaby we're talking heathers we're talking serial mom i mean this guy has a very sick twisted sense of humor which there's a lot of sick twisted humor in this film uh the only difference is is that it's not focused you know there's there's just a lot of uh, inconsistencies in the film versus like Heather's was pretty, you know, had a focus. It, it knew what it was going to do. Now, uh, Wesley, Wesley Strick did an uncredited rewrite. Uh, they deleted the character of Robin. Uh, they rewrote the climax of the film. Go figure. Just like they did before. Uh, a couple things to know about this. You know, Marlon Wayans was actually fitted, uh, for the role of Robin. Uh, but due to the fact of they just couldn't, you know, there was too many characters. They, they had to let him go, but they did pay him for this film and they also paint him for Batman Forever just because of the fact of it was uh you know he got fitted and stuff same as Annette Bening uh Annette Bening was actually uh fitted for this however uh she got pregnant so last minute uh they had to get in Michelle Pfeiffer which thank god that they did uh now there's a lot of character problems with this film number one uh Penguin which I, I guess we'll talk about in a little bit but uh Tim Burton made his his own characters out of these three. And I mean, really, because it's a Tim Burton film, he really took them and made them his own, which I don't have a problem if a director wants to make them his own, just like Christopher Nolan's going to do with Bane and with uh, Selena Kyle. However, there's a respect level that Nolan has versus Burton decided to do his own thing so getting into the overall story of the film so there's this deformed baby boy uh who's thrown which of course will be penguin who's thrown into the gotham city river by his parents now 33 years later which we'll get into uh oswald cobblepot resurfaces as originally coming out as the penguin uh, and then we'll come out later as Oswald Cobblepot as things get rolling on. And uh, he kidnaps the millionaire uh, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken. Now, with evidence of uh, Max's uh, corporate crimes, Cobblepot wants to blackmail Shrek into helping him leave the sewers and become part of Gotham City. Now, Penguin arranges to have the mayor's child be kidnapped, who then he's going to pretend to rescue the child in order to set him up as like this new heroic figure, uh, which allows him to get into the Hall of Records so he supposedly can discover who his parents are and then visit their grave and tell them, you know, tell the city that he forgives them. Really, what he wants to do is he wants to find the first set of uh, the first set of 
you know, kids born, you know, so like a family had two, he wants to find the first person born, just like he was the first person born. Cause his thinking is, uh, he was the first kid born, but he was treated like number two. So penguin becomes uh, big news. Shrek hatches a plan to recall Gotham city's current mayor and elect, uh, Oswald to take over his place. And in order to uh, cement his control over the city uh, and to complete this power plant project he's been working on, which this plot just completely disappears. But we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, The Penguins gang of circus performers known as the uh, uh, Circus Gang, but then they changed their name in another scene. So I'm kind of confused about that. But let's just say that they're the gang of circus performers. So they they start to cause chaos around Gotham to reduce uh, you know to reduce the popularity of the mayor because essentially it'll be like it's all the mayor's fault that there's all this problem. So uh, of course we got to talk about uh, Batman because you know this is a Batman movie. However, good old Tim Burton likes to hide Batman. So again, we get another film where it's only the villains we focus on and very little Batman. But uh batman is unconvinced believing that the penguin and his gang are responsible for all the crimes that's been going on and uh shrek actually uh, has the secretary uh her name's selena kyle played by the awesome michelle pfeiffer uh, what he does is he actually pushes her out of a window uh because she discovers the true nature of his plans which his plans is to build a super power station that drains got them all of, of all of its electricity but Selena survives the fall, uh, but of course, you know, and we'll get into whether that's supposed to be supernatural or normal, uh, but it causes her to, to just break. I mean, you'd go psycho too if you got thrown out of a window. So, of course, her personality changes, which I'll get into her personality in just a little bit, but uh, she is, she gets influenced by her love of cats, of course, and she becomes Catwoman, and uh she uh she wants to focus on all of her revenge on Shrek for for what he did to her. But uh Selena meets uh Bruce Wayne, of course, and uh they uh they have this really complicated relationship uh because when they meet as Batman and Catwoman, they beat the crap out of each other and then when they're Bruce Wayne and Selena, they're all, you know, infatuated with one another. Now, uh, Catwoman actually tries to team up with Penguin uh, at one point. She wants to get rid of Batman. And the only way to do that is to frame Batman uh, to make him look like a criminal. And the way they do that is they want to frame him for murder, basically. So what they do is they kidnap this ice princess. And uh, they turn. it's during this, uh, this Gotham Christmas tree light ceremony. That's where they go and kidnap the Ice Princess. And uh, essentially she falls off the building due to Penguin's demise. But people see and they think Batman pushed her. So everybody thinks that it's him. And they all go after Batman and, and just chaos ensues. So... Now, Catwoman, you know, because Catwoman, being the anti-hero that she is, she's not good, she's not bad. Uh, When she originally thought that Penguin was just going to scare her but not kill her, uh, she gets pissed off at him, uh, rejects Penguin's, you know, because Penguin is just a a real horny, uh, horny piece of work. Uh, She finds out how horny he is, rejects him, and then those two kind of break off their relationship. So, during all this crazy, you know 
chaos going on. The uh, the penguins henchmen are actually able to sabotage the Batmobile, which is completely stupid. But we'll talk about it in just a minute. But it's just so they could set up this scene. Uh, you know, Batman goes to the Batmobile. Penguin takes control of it, ends up killing a bunch of folks in the Batmobile. So obviously, Batman is number one priority, top list to to take down. So, uh, you know, Batman and the mayor, their faith, uh, Gotham's faith, and those two are ruined, you know, due to the Penguin's good plan, I guess. So, Batman, though, he was smart enough to, to tape the Penguin during the whole sabotage of the Batmobile. And as the Penguin is, like, doing his little talk, Batman, or I should say Bruce, plays the disc and exposes the penguin's uh, problems, you know, his whole plot to take everything down. So therefore it ruins his political uh, stance. And, uh, and then of course Gotham turns on him and penguin goes back down to the sewer and decides he's not going to be Oswald Cobblepot. He's not a human. He's an animal and he's going to go back to being penguin. So then the whole power plant thing is just gone. That whole plot is gone. And then we switch to where, um, Oswald goes to, you know, goes back to his plan to kidnap all of the firstborn children. So his first thing to do is to take, uh, Shrek's son, Chip. Uh, but at this crazy party, uh, uh, which the party we'll get into in just a little bit, but Bruce and Selena find out who each other is. But after that happens, that's when Penguin breaks in. And, and takes Chip. Uh, he's about ready to take Chip, but Shrek, of course, convinces him to take him instead. Now, Batman comes back and foils the kidnapping plan, taking, you know, stopping all the kids from being uh, kidnapped. And then the Penguin decides that he wants to launch uh, missiles around Gotham using this mind control penguins. Uh, yeah, you, you heard that. Mind control penguins, missiles, yeah. But just bear with me here. So Batman's able to jam the frequency used to control the penguins and his missiles uh, at the at the at the base of where Penguin is. I believe it's uh, Ice Gotham Iceland. I can't remember the exact name. But anyways, uh, what Batman does is he confronts Penguin outside of uh, of his place, and they get into a nice fight. And of course, Penguin falls into uh, toxic waters, and then uh, Shrek is actually able to get himself loose. Uh, from being caged and uh, Batman attempts to persuade Catwoman because she's now come to kill Shrek to hand him over to police because you know Batman all of a sudden got a conscience and tells Selina not to kill him although he's been killing folks this whole entire movie but we'll get into that in just a little bit Uh, but you know he unmasks himself in front of her Shrek becomes stupid and says Bruce Wayne why are you dressed up like Batman because he's an idiot but anyways uh, Catwoman gets shot and a lot of times, Penguin emerges from the water, just out of nowhere. But he emerges out of the water, is on the verge of death. Uh, he tries to kill Batman, but he picks the wrong umbrella. It's kind of his last, his last bit of movement that he can do, and his body falls. And then uh, the penguins come and take his body and put him in the sewer water, which is yeah, I know. I just I know how stupid it sounds. I know, but just just go with it. So at the end of the movie, Bruce is driving around, you know, try, I assume going back home with Alfred. He sees Selena's shadow on the wall, which, of course, this is a last minute shot. Uh, he thinks that he sees her, but it's just Selena's cat. And then the movie ends. But then we get the last minute shot scene 
where Warner Brothers wanted to do a sequel to Catwoman to have her own film, so therefore they filmed it to where she's the one looking at the bat signal instead of Batman. So, yeah. So that is the overall plots of what happened or lack thereof a plot that happened. So, all right. Now, I mentioned in the last, uh, you know, in the last episode that Tim Burton treated Batman as this mysterious character who uh, tries to be hidden and that's why he tries to keep Batman as mysterious as possible which is why you see the villains more than you see Batman because Tim Burton just doesn't get that Batman uh, wants to be hidden to a certain point his point is to go out and stop you know stop the crimes of Gotham not be hidden to where you don't actually see the guy but he decided that he wanted to make a penguin an animalistic person I mean here's the thing Oswald Cobblepot was just uh, a a pudgy, big-nosed kid. Uh, He was an orphan who got picked on a lot, and that's what eventually turned him crazy. Not not crazy, but made him the person that he is. So his hands are fine. The only problem with Oswald is he just had a long nose, and that's why he got made fun of. And eventually, I mean, he became like a, a crime boss. I mean, this guy is really smart, especially if you play the Arkham City games. Uh, he's one of the big guys in Arkham City is one of your main foes that you have to take out in the game. The way he's represented in that game is pretty much how Oswald is supposed to be. Not some animal-like dude uh, that Tim Burton created, but his whole thought process, especially when you watch the special features, he admits that he wanted to make Penguin an animalistic kind of person. So I don't know what he was thinking here. I mean, when I saw this as a kid, it was really my first interpretation of Penguin, but then I later found out the true roots and story of Penguin and everything started to make sense on how this is not the correct version, especially uh, Selina. Selina is a cat burglar. Uh, She's not some supernatural uh, girl that came to life and decided she wanted to be a cat or anything like that. She's just a cat burglar, which is obviously going to be done, I would assume, the correct way in the Nolan films, which I I have no doubt will be done the correct way. But uh, Selena is not, um, you know, character-wise, that's not how she's supposed to be. But needless to say, that doesn't mean Michelle Pfeiffer... Uh, did a horrible job. In fact, Michelle Pfeiffer is the best part of this film. No doubt about it. She steals this movie. Uh, She is great. Uh, I think what I meant by before, how the movie is not dark, it's just dirty. Uh, The biggest part of that is Penguin. Uh, Having Catwoman and Penguin in this, I like the idea, but it's the execution that isn't right. The scenes between Bruce and Selina are excellent. Uh, The fighting between Batman and Catwoman are great. Uh, there should have been a way to just have Max Shrek and Selina be in the film and get rid of Penguin altogether. I think that would have worked so much better. Uh, or and they could have just saved Penguin for him for himself. But there's just too much crap going on in this film, and that's why uh, it just doesn't work. It's just all over the place. It's not focused. Which the first one, even though there was you know script problems, it was still a focused movie for the most part. You could go along with it and understand from point A to point B what the hell was going on. And everything made sense. But in this movie, you're like, you start off with one plot, like this whole power plant. And then all of a sudden it just disappears in like the middle of the movie. They don't even give a rip about it. I don't even talk about it anymore. Now, uh, I do have to mention, if you didn't know this, McDonald's actually pulled all the toys of this film. uh, Because after, you know, parents saw this with their kids. Because granted, this film was not marketed to the children. However, um, 
when parents saw this film, uh, they complained McDonald's pulled the toys. And a lot of that has to do with uh, the sex talk in this film. I mean, there's a lot of it. Like, uh, just the pussy I've been looking for, my French flipper trick, uh, you know, penguin um, gropes on a girl's boobs. Uh, I mean, there's just a lot of that crap, which you didn't have in the first one. So even though the first one was PG-13 and this movie's PG-13, there's a huge difference uh, in the PG-13-ness of of these two films. You know, uh, the the biggest thing that I remember, because uh, I listened to the audio commentary for this film, and the out of that a whole two-hour conversation, there was one line that Tim Burton said, that uh, just stuck with me. He said, my idea of Batman is less is more with Batman. And and it's true. This is Batman Returns, but it's for how long does Batman Returns? Uh, you know, as a kid, I thought he had more screen time in this film than, uh, than he did in the first one. I think Bruce Wayne gets more screen time than he did in the first one. But, you know, I, I guess it's uh, however you want to look at it. So let's get to uh, let's get to the stuff that... I like and don't like about this film. So right off the bat, uh, we got Pee Wee and Simone. You know, Tim Burton says in his commentary, which most directors do, that they like to work with the same people they worked with before. And Pee Wee and Simone were excellent in Pee uh, Wee's Big Adventure. So it's kind of funny that uh, they actually played the parents in the beginning of the film. I mean, they definitely, you know, Pee Wee does not look like uh, Paul Rubens. He, you know, he he looks very different. Uh, Simone though looks just like she did uh, in Pee Wee's Big Adventure. But you know, in the very beginning, you see Oswald. Uh, locked in this like gel type cage and then uh he actually eats the cat and i mean it's it's just right off the bat just not starting off good uh it's like what kind of baby would eat a cat i mean that just kind of tells you how off the rocker it is so uh the the one excellent thing i can tell you right off the bat about this film is the music danny elfman does a great job with the score now as i mentioned in the last episode that uh Prince is not in this film. It's all Danny Elfman. Uh, he actually does like I believe uh, about twenty to thirty more minutes worth of uh, musical score than he did in the first film. I believe he said when I was watching the special features, uh, there's only one actual song in this film, which is Face to Face. But uh, but Danny Elfman does a great job. He does a uh, you know it's excellent. I I highly recommend the soundtrack of the score of this film. From beginning to end, it's really an excellent piece of music. I, that is something that is really priceless. Now, I wouldn't necessarily say it's better than the first one because the first one just has, I mean, I can instantly think of a scene and I can hear the music in my head versus with this one, the music is just, it's like a big circus type music, which is fine because there's there's a circus gang in the film, but it's just not as uh, where you can just watch a scene and instantly you can play the music in your head kind of thing. But overall though, it's just, it's really, really good. So one of the biggest problems I had when I was a kid, and I still do, uh, and of course it's not explained, after the whole baby is uh, picked up by the penguins, it says 33 years later. So I'm like, okay, 33 years later, so you mean to tell me this takes place 33 years later after part one? But of course, Bruce doesn't look that way. So in reality, it's it's supposed to be like 33 years prior to the first Batman movie. So I'm going to assume that this movie takes place maybe a couple of months after the first movie. 
but it's not necess- it's not explained. It just says 33 years later. So right off the bat, you're just kind of thrown off. And you're like, what? 33 years later? I always had a problem with that. They should have just they should have just got rid of that altogether. I mean, I get the aspect of them trying to say that Penguin is now older, but when you show him, people are going to know that he's older and that he's not a baby. So uh, when we get introduced to Shrek, played by Christopher Walken. Now, I like Christopher Walken. Uh, he's definitely a, a hammy kind of guy, but he's not hammy in this one. He's just he's just stale. He's just a bored. Uh, this was the first movie I ever saw Christopher Walken in, so I was a Christopher Walken hater for a long time. Anytime I ever saw this guy in any movie, I just like I thought he sucked. But, uh, it, you know, my things changed. Uh, there was this movie called Blast from the Past with uh, Alicia Silverstone and Brendan Fraser. And Christopher Walken was in that film. He was so good. So good in that movie. Uh, and it's like this this these, uh, couple, uh, Sissy Spacek is his wife. And uh, they think there's a bomb coming. So they, like, hide out underneath. And so Brendan Fraser uh, has lived under underground all of his life. So he's got to go up to go get rations and, and food and stuff and come back. And he gets to see what the real world's like. It's a really good, fun movie. Uh, it's kind of a dumb, fun movie. Uh, but but Christopher Walken was great in that. So my appreciation for Christopher Walken changed uh, after seeing that film. Of course, he's in the rundown with with Dwayne, and he does a good job in that. So especially going back and watching this film, Christopher Walken sucks, no doubt about it. He's just wooden in this film. Uh, he just straight faced the whole time, not very. I don't know. Um, I've never liked this guy when I watched it as a kid and watching it now, knowing that I really enjoy Christopher Walken. He's just stale for me watching this. Uh, his, his overall character, though, he's all about a power plant, power plant. Uh, and I guess it kind of makes sense because he wants to overthrow the mayor. So he wants to go to Oswald Cobblepot to make him the new mayor because if he has control over him he'll get the power plant but when he becomes mayor then he doesn't care about the power plant anymore it's like they just dropped that storyline altogether, which was real frustrating but let's talk about somebody who is awesome and that's michelle pfeiffer selena kyle uh she's perfect from beginning to end in this film now granted she's not the the Catwoman. From you know the TV show or the Catwoman, really from the comics. I mean, this is more of a of kind of a hybrid of the of the comics version and 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 Burden taking it his own way, uh, which which is fine. I mean, he doesn't go as extreme with Catwoman as he does with Penguin. Which, you know, I'll get into where some things are kind of confusing a little bit. But, you know, when you're first introduced to her, she's like this real shy, quirky mess. uh, Always forgetful and thinking to herself. She's really good. She's got messed up hair and glasses and, you know, hi, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot I'm not married. Uh, And then she'll eventually turn into this crazy, psychotic girl who is playing two people. She's excellent throughout this film. Uh, man, she is just, she's the shining light of this film. I would say that, uh, just take this film, uh, fast forward anytime you see Michelle Pfeiffer on screen and then fast forward the rest. I mean, she's just awesome. I mean, regardless of how you feel about the Catwoman character, whether it be how it was, how it's portrayed in the film, uh, her performance of how she does this is excellent. She is completely lost into this character. 
I mean, uh, Heath Ledger was so lost in the Joker. When you looked at that screen, you didn't see Heath Ledger. You just saw the Joker. And you don't see Michelle Pfeiffer. You see Selena Kyle. You see, uh, you see Catwoman. So I'll be, I'm very, I can't wait to see what Anne Hathaway does with this role. I think she's going to do more like the Arkham City kind of style of Catwoman. The real, the real smart, uh, you know, smart, sleek, and, and, just real cunning and uh, very intelligent, uh, not psychopathic, but just, you know, she she's out for her, you know, she really likes Batman, but at the same time, she's looking out for herself by the end of the day. You know, it's just, it's going to be awesome, man. But Michelle Pfeiffer, though, she's really, really great. So when we see Bruce Wayne for the first time, you know, there's this whole chaos going on. Uh, I do like this setup where he's sitting in his living room and they, and they shine the lights uh, and they shine the signal and then the house catches the light and shines it in his room. It's supposed to, a lot of people say, well, he's not out there busting crime. He's just sitting in his, in his living room waiting. But Tim Burton is portraying this supposedly as that, you know, this guy doesn't know how to do anything unless he's Batman. So he's just waiting for the call to be Batman. And towards the end of the film, they really uh, portray the fact of he is Batman and his act is Bruce Wayne which is kind of an interesting concept, which I'll talk about in a little bit why I'm thinking uh, Tim Burton's thinking that's how this character is. But uh, we get a new suit. Um, I'm not sure. It's definitely not as awesome as the first movie. Uh, The color's a little different. It's more of a grayish color than it is black, which is kind of annoying. There's some times where it looks black, but nine times out of ten it looks gray. Uh, we have a regular bat symbol this time versus the really cool one in the first one. Uh, they don't have the abs. They have this real funky looking thing, which it just doesn't look that cool. Uh, I like the way they shoot his eyes more in this film, and, and the cowl is really cool looking. I mean, it looks just like it does in the first one, maybe a tad bit better. But from the cowl down, it, it doesn't look, I'm not too totally excited about it. Uh, so right away, when uh, when Batman shows up, uh, I like when he's using the Batmobile to take out the circus gang. That looks cool. But then we get immediately, if you if you had any concerns about the last movie where, did Batman kill that guy or not? He flat out does in this one. What does he do? He uh, When these bunch of guys fall on the Batmobile and start shooting, which I like that scene, uh, he throws throws him in this in this burning building and then he turns the Batmobile around and then tortures this guy to death. Ridiculous. Now, they do actually talk about this in the special features. And and here's where the problem is. The screenwriter, which the screenwriter, this guy is kind of a douchebag when you when you actually sit down and listen to this guy. This guy the way he wrote this film, he essentially thinks that he's better than everybody else and that his story of Batman is the true story of Batman and screw what you think on how I wrote the film. That's really how he comes across in all of his interviews. I mean, it's just oh so bad and his his comment of oh well you know people complain that batman kills well you know this is the kind of world we live in where you can't just drop off the bad guy in front of city hall and take off hello christopher nolan movies are in a very dark world and the batman begins and the dark knight are very dark movies and batman doesn't kill in those movies but you have to kill in this one and your movie isn't even as dark as the batman begins 
Nights or Dark Knight, your movies is dirty. So whatever, dude. Batman doesn't kill. Now, here's the thing. Okay. There's a difference between Batman's rule of I'm not going to kill versus saving somebody's life. For example, the end of the Dark Knight. Uh, there's this thing that says, well, if Batman doesn't kill, why did he kill? Uh, why did he kill Harvey? Well, here is the thing. Just like in the end of Batman Begins, where he says that I'm not going to kill you, but I'm not going to save you either, is if you put yourself in a situation, Batman's not going to execute you. That's his thing. He's not going to execute you. But if you have a gun to a child's head, and I mean, Batman was willing to die himself because at the very end, his whole point was to rescue the kid and and he just happened to land on his neck and Batman just landed on his back. But he lived and, and Harvey died. But the thing is, is that Batman was willing to kill himself to save the kid because his only point was to save the kid. Now, Batman's not going to kill somebody, uh, you know, just to go up and execute them. If they die by their own hand, that's different. You know, if someone's got a gun to a kid's head, uh, he's going to do whatever it takes to save the kid. And if that person dies in the long, like, for example, they get into a fight uh, and he hits somebody and they fall back off a building, you know, it it could be an accident, whatever. But the point is, in this movie, Batman's deliberately killing people. For example, he's fighting this one guy, uh, takes the bomb and stuffs it down his pants, smiles and throws him off the building so he blows up. That was deliberately killing the guy. Same thing, uh, I'm, you know, he would never have done that in any of the in the correct Nolan movies. That's my point. Okay, Batman, Batman can kill. But it's not execution style, okay? There's a difference, a very big difference between self-defense and saving someone's life and the enemy dying because of the result of it or executing somebody. So now that I've gone off that tangent, I just wanted to make it clear because some people have issues like, well, you can't say that Batman never kills and Batman begins in The Dark Knight because he killed Ra's al Ghul and he killed Harvey. I wanted to get that point out before I ever got to those movies of why that is so impactful to the earlier movies of why it flaws these movies so bad because the code of Batman is broken and it's broken early and the screenwriter and Tim Burton don't give a crap. You know, their philosophy is kill. You're the good guy. Go ahead and kill him, you know, so whatever. So that's that that's the biggest thing I wanted to just is my number one humongous problem with the film is just bombing people and torturing them and oh it's horrible so uh so getting back uh to when the guy uh has selena kyle kind of got the little electric thing and it's like you miss mr batman uh and then uh he pulls the thing and hits the guy in the back of the head that was cool that was creative uh, and of course uh selena you know, goes ahead and kicks the guy. Now, what's funny is Commissioner Gordon says, thanks for saving the day, Batman. How did he save the day when you look in the background and you see the, you see people are still being beat up by the, by the gang? I mean, it's like Batman didn't save the day. He only took out a few guys with the Batmobile. He killed a couple folks and then he knocked some dude out. So how did he save the day if there's other guys in the background? So that was kind of off. They should have kind of fixed that problem. So when we get introduced to the Penguin, uh, you know, Danny DeVito does, uh, I mean, he, 
he's the perfect guy to play this. However, you know, he's just doing what, what Tim Burton told him to do. And he's supposed to treat this character as he's not human. He's like, he's like half animal, which is unfortunate because, you know, they should have taken it to where he was just an orphan kid and, and he's a crime boss or something. And they should have done this character right. Unfortunately, by making him, you know, his fingers together like flippers. And I mean, this guy's super horny. I mean, this is this is the character and this is the reason why your movie is so jacked up. You know, you're, you don't have an enemy that you're scared of. You don't have an enemy you're sympathizing with. You just look and you're just kind of like, ugh. You know, that's kind of the whole persona that you get when you look at Penguin. How often do you laugh at what he says in the film? I mean, do you ever feel sorry for this guy? Are you ever scared of this guy? No, he's kind of a worthless villain, uh, which is a shame because, I mean, Danny DeVito's performance of what he was told to do is really good, but the character itself in the film sucks. So that's really the biggest problem in Batman Returns is the penguin. It just, that's what pulled the toys because of the things he says with Catwoman. You know, you're just the pussy I've been looking for. You know, I'll show you my flip flip, uh, my, my French flipper trick, you know, when he's touching girls boobs and he's like, you know, here, let me put this on you. And then you see him push. I mean, this is why parents were so mad and why they ended up pulling all the toys and stuff because of the, of this character here. So, um, so let's go on to, uh, some, some good scenes that I actually do enjoy in the film. I really enjoy, you know, the conversation between her and Max Shrek when she's like, you know, how can you be mean to somebody so meaningless? And then when he pushes her out the window, you know, of course she doesn't die because she gets, her fall gets kind of, um, uh, helped by, you know, going through all those canopies. She went through like four of them. So it slowed down her fall. So essentially it knocked the wind out of her. Now, Tim Burton did say that she had that eye thing that she does, uh, which really freaked him out, but that was all Michelle Pfeiffer. You know, it was something she wanted to do. Here's the thing. There, a lot of people say that this is a supernatural aspect where the cats brought her back to life. The cats didn't bring her back to life. I mean, these, these are, these are cats that they're looking for food and you can see they're chewing on her fingers. So, you know, these people are just, these cats are just wanting to eat Selena is what they want to do. So it's not that the cats bring back Selena. It's just that them eating on her and, and hitting her face, you know, because you see the cats hit her head and she moves her head is what really just brought her back to consciousness. So I, I just love the, the eye thing that she does. I thought that was great. Uh, and I do like uh, where she just goes crazy man that scene was just so good you know the people after that scene was filmed they just kind of gave her time to kind of be alone and not want to talk to her uh, i like how her one sign says hello there and then she punches out two of the letters so then it says hell there and uh this whole scene was just really good the music was great her just going crazy and just she just really she really sells it very very well uh very very excellent um, and, uh, I like when Bruce gets the soup and Alfred, you know, he's funny in this one. He's like, you know, Bruce spits it out. You know, this, uh, the soup's cold. It's supposed to be cold, sir. You know, 
Uh, that that was really good. You know, the chemistry between Bruce and Alfred are good in this one. You, you know, when he talks about later on in the film about the bat, the Batmobile security, we can't just take it to a shop to get fixed. And he's like, security, who's the one that let Vicky in the Batcave? I'm working. I turn around. Hi, Vic. There you are. Which was kind of to the fans, you know, uh, it was kind of a joke to the fans. And Alfred just kind of went along with it, which was good stuff. Um, and of course, I love the when when she comes in and when Bruce is having his uh, meeting with Shrek, you kind of get to see the business side of Bruce, which is really cool. And he just kind of stands up to Shrek when she walks in. And uh, I love the way her hair looks. It looks so good the way her hair is. I don't know what it is, but she just looks really good with the way her hair is. And uh, her story she tells about being amnesia and she starts smiling and just says he's dead now. Her face just instantly changes and just seeing Bruce's face looking at Selena he's just in total infatuation with her and mixing up his words uh, I do really really enjoy that scene that was some good stuff anything where Bruce and Selena are gold to me absolute gold I love it now um if you Bob Kane's wife uh she becomes Gossip Gotti or Gertie or whatever the heck her name is in Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. She's the real annoying blonde, you know, news person. But uh, she's actually in this film. Uh, this is when Penguin says, I forgive my parents. And they start passing all the papers and it gets real corny where people are like, oh, yeah, I forgive, you know. And everybody's like, he's got a heart of gold. And then you actually see one of the girls talk about, oh, he has such a heart of gold. And that's actually her. It was her first cameo appearance uh, in a Batman film. So I thought that. You know, as annoying as she is in the other two, she's not annoying in this one during that paper scene. Now, Catwoman, when she comes out for the first time, of course, uh, she got to throw kind of a sex joke when she's just like, uh, be careful, it's my first time, and then beats the guy up. Um, you know, I'm Catwoman, hear me roar. It's kind of lame, but it works. You know what I mean? It's one of those, the way she presents the, the line uh, versus Arnold would present the line uh during Batman and Robin, it's funny, but in this one, it's kind of scary. The way she says, I am Catwoman, hear me roar. You know, you don't really roll your eyes at that line versus you would roll a line in Batman and Robin. So now back to uh, Bruce and Selena when Selena's walking him to the elevator, and uh, I really like the line where she's like, I'm listed. Uh, he goes, I'm tempted. And she goes, I'm working. I'm leaving. You know, it was just those four lines work well, the way that their face worked and the line delivery was just really good. And it, it helps that those two were actually together. I, if actually they may have broken up before they did this, but that's why the chemistry is so strong between these two because they were actually together in real life. Uh, if not during the movie, it was before the movie. So it works really well. So the nose bite. Uh, when Penguin uh, bites that guy's nose. Now the one girl that's trying to say okie doke, you know, when she's trying to give him his gloves she was actually the alamo chick in big uh Wee's big adventure when uh Wee's like when can we see the alamo and she's like there isn't you know and she starts to make fun of him and has that real funny laugh uh she's actually in this so of course tim Burton brought her back but man when he bites that dude's nose and you see all the blood going everywhere it's real creepy and that's i mean that would scare kids you know i mean seriously I don't know how they thought that that scene was going to be so funny, you know, or I don't know what their intentions were at all with Penguin, but 
Now, uh, the fight with uh, with Batman, uh, with the you know the dog goes in originally and blows up the building, and we see Batman take on all the dudes. I like that fight. That was really good. You know, he takes the two guys and smashes their head together. Uh, at one point, he ducks, so the other guy hits him in the face. It was really good. Uh, he uses the batarang to uh, program it to hit everybody in the face. Uh, of course, it looked a little bad because there was this is kind of digital effects work at a start. So they use some of the digital effects, which uh, don't some of them don't really work too well. I mean, you could tell when this was flying at people's faces, they didn't look too well. Uh, but uh, you know, it is it is what it is. But overall, though, this fight was really really good. That is, of course, until he cuts. He uses a sword, cuts off the dynamite, and then we go to. The big guy that says, go on and hit me. And then he stuffs the thing in his pants and blows him up. So, I mean, everything's good up until that point, I should say. So uh, Catwoman blowing up uh, Shrek's uh, department store was really cool. You know, what's funny is uh, when you see her with the whip, when she comes in and she uses the whip to take off the mannequin's head, that's the first shot that that's a that's a one-time shot it it wasn't like a retake it was it was the first time she went in there uh she did the whip thing and then she you know used it as a jump rope and everybody started clapping it was the perfect first take of that scene so when you actually see that in the film uh that was the first take only on that scene it was no retake so uh, i mean she was really really good with the whip she had a lot of training with the whip and it paid off that was her first time ever using the whip and of course she does the scene perfectly so that just tells you it was meant to be for her to be in this film so now the fights between uh you know the first fight between batman and catwoman uh were really good uh, i really enjoy it when she's like how could you i'm a woman he's like oh i'm sorry and then of course you know uh he she hits him off uh off the roof now since when did batman start carrying acid i mean seriously I mean, it's kind of funny in the 60s movie, he's got shark repellent, uh, so he's got bat acid that he carries around with him. I mean, that was a little over the top, don't you think? I mean, I, it sets up a scene later on in the film, but uh, I just thought it was kind of weird for Batman to be carrying acid around with him. Now, uh, when Catwoman and Penguin are together and they're they're talking the plot about getting, uh, you know, frame Batman, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer puts that bird in her mouth. That was uh, that was for real. A uh, couple takes, but she put the live bird in her mouth, which you'll notice. Uh, you know, her her lipstick is fine, and then the moment she puts the bird in underneath her bottom lip, it's like all red there. That's because of the bird, uh, you know, trying to get out, so it kind of poked at her inside uh, skin. So that's kind of why it looks kind of bloody there, and that's because it's for real. So yeah, when you see that scene, man, that's for real. That's really her putting the bird in her mouth. So way to go, Michelle, because. I can never stick a live bird in my mouth. Now, uh, this next scene is probably one of my favorites of the of the film, uh, and that's when Selena's kind of looking at herself in the reflection of a department store window and just says, why are you doing this? And then you see Bruce come up, and, and they start talking to one another, and he's like, it's good to see you out in the open world. And they start walking past the papers, and uh, and Selena says, you know, I heard that Catwoman's supposed to be 140 pounds. I don't know how these people sleep at night. Batman blows it. He must have saved over a million dollars in property damage alone. I mean, it was so funny to see them stick up for their alter egos. Uh, and it was just so flawless the way that they did it without giving the other one any hint of who they actually are. So that was that was one of my favorite, favorite scenes of the film. I just I love that scene. It's good times. 
So uh, I do like the fact they bring back Vicky. Uh, they talk about Vicky, you know, because she was such a prominent in the first one. You know, if it was just an open-ended movie, you'd see Bruce and Vicky together for the rest of their life. In this movie, obviously, Vicky's not together, not with him in this film. So uh, I like how they bring her back and talk about why she isn't with him anymore. Uh, the kissing scene was really good. Because, you know, she touches his uh, side when he got stabbed by her and he and then he touches her arm. And uh, it was just that was a really good scene. I thought they played well off each other. Their faces were priceless. I mean, they didn't have to say anything. Their their face said enough just by the expressions on their face when each one touched the other person's uh, uh, wounds that they gave each other. So really good stuff. So uh, Batman has a crap load of suits. You know, in the Christopher Nolan movies, he's only got one, uh, which is cool. I like the fact he only has one suit. You know, they, they do admit in the special features that uh, they had to make multiple suits because when you go out and you be Batman, just uh, something happens, it gets messed up, you got to get rid of it. So uh, it was kind of art imitating life because it the special features explain why there were so many suits and it kind of explains why Batman has so many suits because his suit kind of gets damaged so he's got to use a new one. So that was kind of a cool thing. I like the fact that in the, in the Christopher Nolan movies there's only one suit and one suit only so that's good i really enjoy that fact but this scene um coming up is dumb so how is it the penguins men get a blueprint of the batmobile they don't talk about this it just miraculously shows up in their place it's like uh, the most secretive man on the planet you mean to tell me would somehow let his batmobile blueprints end up somewhere where the bad guys could find it i don't think so so the fact that they have the blueprints and they're able to uh create a device that takes down the shields and they can re uh, it's just stupid oh so bad just dumb i mean batman would never in a million years let something like that happen so it's like they're just slapping batman in the face and just saying you're dumb i mean i get the whole plot of trying to make batman the bad guy but it was just they should have had better explanations to it than just, oh, we just miraculously have the blueprints and now we know how to break into the Batmobile and all that other crap. But during this, uh, you know, rewiring of the Batmobile, we get another fight between Batman and Catwoman. This time it's funny because they're actually talking uh, when they beat each other up. Hey, stud, I thought we, well, first he, he grabs your leg and says, eat floor. And she's like, hey, stud, I thought we had something together. And then he grabs her. We do. And then headbutts her. You know, gotta go girl talk. You know, I just, I love the conversation. This fight's better than the first one. It's shorter, but it's better because they make good contact to one another and the lines they say to each other they're not puns they're just like something you know if you were in a fight with somebody you'd kind of want to be a smart you know say something smart but it not come across as like you're trying to be funny so i really enjoy uh the conversation they have during their fight but then when penguin throws his uh his umbrella and the bats come out over the ice princess Man, those bats look real bad, don't they? I'm telling you. Uh, oof, so bad. Does not look good whatsoever. And then the worst thing happens is Batman gets the stupid long bat cape. I mean, okay, uh, perfectly set. You know, in the Dark Knight, you know, he's able to jump from a building and just glide with, you know, they explain it with his cape. But uh, this one, I mean, you could tell he has a regular leather cape. And then the next the next scene, he just has this real like wooden type 
looking wing and then all of a sudden he falls to the ground and they cut to a, you know and then they cut it to where you don't actually see it go down and he just rolls and he's got it. I just you know I get the fact you want to make him fly it's just it just didn't look good how you just had his cape be able to do this I just uh in a in a hyper reality sense movie that did not work for me it just it looked dumb uh, it didn't make any sense and I'm not talking sense of like okay his wings you know his wings his his cape became wings I'm saying that the way that the wing looked it looked like it was so it was so wooden you you had no flexibility no function to it whatsoever that's what I said didn't that's what I mean by it didn't work for me so we get Penguin who uh, goes into his trailer and he's got a miniature Batmobile 25 cent you know car now uh of course you're probably wondering how the heck did they build this but you know because of batman being you know in gotham city they probably put one of these out at kmart penguin drove by one day saw it and decided to pick it up and say hey i'm going to use this later for something but i have no idea what so that's probably how he got that miniature version of the batmobile uh but uh, so when Batman's, you know, running from the cops in the Batmobile and uh, he eventually going to have the Bat missile, Christopher Nolan would later steal this idea and do it better where it becomes the Bat pod, where the vehicle becomes the motorcycle. And this one, it's the Bat missile. So I don't know. I, I liked it as a kid. It's cool. I, I do like the effect, but I like the Bat pod better. So. But I do love this Batmobile though. It's so slick looking, man. It's so good. Unfortunately, this is the last time we get to see the Batmobile look like this. I mean, you'll eventually see another scene where Bruce is trying to put the Batmobile back together again. Uh, but you don't get to see the Batmobile in action anymore after it becomes the Bat Missile. But man, I love this Batmobile. It's so good. But overall, though, I'd have to say the Tumblr's my number one based on the functionality of it. And then number two would be uh, this Batmobile. But overall, though, I just I really, really love this Batmobile. And then unfortunately, in the next two movies, we get the ridiculous, stupid looking Batmobiles. All right, so let's talk the elephant in the room, and that's the CD scratch scene. Uh, now, CD burners back then were like 1600 bucks, so it makes perfect sense that Bruce Wayne would have a CD burner because the dude is like a billionaire, but, I mean, recording speed was like so slow. But, you know, this is the scene where he's playing what the Penguin said, and uh, what does he do? He scratches the, C- the, the CD like it's vinyl, and, and you just can't do that. You know, a lot of people are mad at this scene because... You know, he, he scratches the CD like it's vinyl. And, you know, and when I was a kid, I thought it was funny, but you just can't do this. I mean, they probably didn't know the kind of technology of a CD and, and they probably thought that you could treat it like vinyl, but you can't. So, you know, I, this scene doesn't really make me as mad as most people do, but it's still dumb and, and you can't do it. But I know it was there just for laughs, but most people have a problem with it. I see their problem. I have a problem with it, but you know what it is? what it is it is the only real funny moment that bruce wayne has in the film so you know so there it is whatever so what can you do now i do love selena's look at oswald during the scene you know this is before he gets hit with like the tomato and eggs and stuff and she's just looking at him and man she looks all evil and stuff Uh, i do dig that now the rsvp scene uh that's the one where alfred uh has his ever so lovely words about how Max Shrek is, you know, you don't want to go to this party. Can I just give him a negative response? I do like how he rips it up and then Bruce is like, you know what, Selena Kyle may be there and he just gives him a dirty look that he has to put it uh, put it on. Now, 
Um, this scene, uh, the next scene is, is my favorite scene of the whole entire film. Uh, and that's the, uh, the costume scene. You know, what's awesome is that Bruce and Selena are the only ones here that are dressed, not dressed up, which basically is telling you that, uh, their alter egos is their true self. You know, playing normal Bruce and normal Selena means that they're in costume and when they're their alter egos, that's who they truly are, which uh, I kind of like that. It, it's kind of an interesting concept that, that Burden put in there. Most people don't read into that, but I, I definitely see it. It's clear as day to me on that. Uh, but most of all, though, I, I just love the, the reveal, you know, earlier during their fight. And then uh, Batman says, you know, mistletoe can be deadly if you eat it. And then Catwoman says, but a kiss can be even deadlier if you mean it. And uh, and I and I love it when, uh, you know, she pulls out the gun and Bruce freaks out. And then he's like, who do you think you are? And she starts to have a nervous breakdown and starts to cry. She's like, I don't know, Bruce. Then she looks up and then gives the line. And he gives the line back to her. And I just love when she says, does this mean that we have to start fighting? I love that. That's my favorite part of the whole entire film is the reveal. It was done so awesome. Really, really good stuff. Now, um, I do like the, uh, you know, okay. I don't like I should say uh, this scene is dumb and that's when uh, Batman saves the day and, and rescues the, the kids from being taken by the circus gang and then they have the monkey go give the card to Penguin now I get the whole you know Batman signing a note and says you know sorry the children aren't here to attend uh, Batman but it's Batman stationary I mean my daughter walked in the room and said hey look Batman has a symbol on his uh, note you know it's like this is what leads up to the Batman credit card and Batman and Robin I mean this is where it started here that was just so dumb and I was like I always roll my eyes whenever I see that scene now another really dumb part is Penguin talking to the uh, the penguins you know whether they be mind control or not he's talking to them like they actually understand English I mean seriously they're animals it's not like penguin was talking animal talk he's all talking to them like oh you gotta destroy the city and all this and that and it's like the penguins understand what he's saying I mean that was just completely dumb it's not like the penguins understand English and then to top it all off uh, they have missiles I mean I get them having to leave the sewer so they don't blow up the sewer but you know they're missiles they should be able to go to the destination and eat them to why did they have to go to the middle of the city i mean they make a comment about they the, they got to go to the middle of this location in order to kill a hundred thousand people but it was just dumb it's missiles you know it's it just oh it, it was so dumb i totally hate the fact of they have to have these uh go to a certain spot to shoot the missiles when they're missiles okay it's just dumb i totally hate that now, I do like the between Penguin and Batman, there's been some good talk. I, I like when they first see each other and he's like, uh, you know, uh, you're going to be, I'm going to be mayor. He goes, things change. And he's like, you don't actually think you're going to win, do you? And then Batman says, things change. So this is the best time, is uh, the best conflict between these two. And Penguin jumps on top of him and says, you're just jealous because I'm a genuine freak and you have to wear a mask. And Batman says, I think you're right. Uh, I, I really like that uh, they have good conflict together. I do admit that. Uh, and the best, uh, I definitely love the scene where he's holding the, the black box in his hand with the red light blinking and they just show his eyes. That was a really excellent shot. I really, really dig that. Now, the ripping off the mask scene. Now, if you've ever, if it hasn't hit you over the head yet, but uh, guess what? They use black makeup around the eyes, people. 
and this scene confirms it, okay? Uh, there's no way you could put that mask on and all of a sudden your eyes are just miraculously black, okay? You have to put black makeup around your eyes to give you the black eye look, okay? And then, of course, when Bruce is trying to convince Selena, you know, not to kill Shrek and to turn him over to cops because, you know, guess what? He's got a, he's got a conscience now. He could kill folks before, but no, Selena can't kill anybody. But uh, there's the, they, he's talking, all of a sudden his eyes are black. The next shot, uh, his eyes are completely clear he rips the mask off and guess what you see his face i mean that's the hit you over the head and tell you guess what you have to wear black eye makeup so just in case you missed it folks and you didn't know you had to wear black eye makeup there you go there's your proof now the last two scenes i want to talk about uh they've done a good job with catwoman to basically uh they're real you know in regards to if she's mystical supernatural or she's just normal they really play around with it at the end here where she's like you know uh, you kill me penguin kill me batman kill me that's three lives down and then he shoots her now here's the thing i really feel that this is an adrenaline scene you know there's talks of reports of you know kids being trapped in cars and moms flip over the car due to the adrenaline i just think it's the adrenaline running for her to get to max i don't think it's supernatural like oh she just lost another life you could really look at it in two different ways if you really wanted to however i just look at it as just adrenaline and then you know, it's just her goal to get to max to basically electrocute him of course he turns out to, when max gets electrocuted of course his face is melted off just like the other guy in part one with the joker but we won't get into that and then uh you know finally at the end um the stupid dumb penguin ending okay uh penguin falls through the glass and and he gets out of the water and he's got green goo coming out he doesn't have blood he's got green goo so it's like okay obviously he's supposed to represent he's not human uh, I get the fact that he grabs the umbrella because he's only got one, you know, one shot of energy left. It's the wrong one. But here's what's dumb. When he falls to the ground, the penguins come out and they take this miraculously huge guy and they push him down into the water. I mean, seriously, penguins would not do that. It's just stupid and dumb. I don't get it. I hated that ending. That was just dumb. I wish he would have just died and they just would have just cut the scene but having the penguins take him to the water was just dumb i hated it and then of course the ending uh, i do like bruce being in the car and, and pretending to see catwoman and then he picks up the cat has a really good line but then they had to have the shot of catwoman looking up instead of batman so uh, i mean that's it for the review guys overall i'd have to give this movie a two stars uh maybe a week two and a half i mean i've already told you the parts i really really like which are the Catwoman and hands down the bruce and selena scenes those are just amazing but there's just so much inconsistency uh just the, all the characters are just really wrong in this film they're not really treated the way that they should be uh, there's just all the problems that I pointed out. The strong stuff is the Catwoman stuff and Bruce and Selena together. Even the Batman and Catwoman scenes are really excellent. Uh, so I would just say, uh, put the movie in, fast forward to any time you see Michelle Pfeiffer on the screen. Uh, and that's the perfect time. And anytime you see Catwoman and Batman together, those scenes are gold, absolute gold. However, the rest of the film, uh, just falls down the toilet so this one gets a two stars uh very strong two stars week two and a half uh if i never see the film again who cares uh, i'm very excited to see what christopher nolan's gonna do with selena i think he's gonna do it right either way it's gonna be awesome uh but michelle pfeiffer though 
I I love her performance. Excellent. And I really enjoy Bruce Wayne in this film. He was very, very good times versus the first movie. It was kind of boring. But he was really, really good in this one. So uh, that's my overall review of Batman, uh, Batman Returns. So let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. All right, so our uh, first email comes in from Sebastian. He says, hello, Sweep Delay Podcast. I give Batman Returns a 3.75 stars. So Sebastian's going back to the point stars thing out of five. Uh, I do remember a lot about this film even when I revisited it. Um, oh, he says, I don't remember a lot of things about this film even when I revisited it. One thing I didn't like is that Shrek's plan doesn't make a lot of sense, which, of course, it doesn't make a lot of sense because they don't follow through on that plot. Uh, some sort of, uh, some same sort of applies for the penguin. Same sort of, okay, I guess you're saying same sort of sense applies to the penguin. Uh, I think that Penguin's gang is sort of cool with all their various carnival tricks. Uh, cool facts. Harvey Dent was supposed to return and have the story arc of Shrek. Uh, well, actually, Billy D. Williams, uh, you know, was going to be in the film. However, uh, they got rid of him and then brought in the Max Shrek character. So if he was in it, he wouldn't actually have been the Max Shrek character. He would have been somebody else. Uh, weird and sad fact, all of the African-American actors who were cast in Burning Films are replaced by white guys in the Schumacher movies. So uh, so thanks, Sebastian, for writing in. Now our next email comes from Jameson the Great, and, uh, and, he's, uh, and he hates this movie. So uh, he says, much like our rubber-cowed uh, rubber hero, I have returned. I, I have a feeling this email will be as much of a disappointment as the film I'm writing about. So after all my love for the first Batman, let me say I really anticipated this film, which I'm sure you had as much anticipation as I did. Another solid cast for its time and iconic characters to have fun with. Uh, here's my beef with Batman Returns. I have never been able to fully enjoy this movie, but I have always had a hard time pinpointing exactly why. The easy answer is Danny DeVito penguin everything is wrong with him everything but that seems too obvious this film is tim burden at its heavy-handed worst as it's as if he was daring himself to show how dark he could make it and it's not the good kind of dark it's just plain dark which i say it's just dirty sir more more than dark and it's not the good kind of dark it's just plain dark i have a hard time enjoying tim burton when he gets free reign to do whatever he wants he goes overboard in my mind i think michelle pfeiffer was great as catwoman even though her character could have been written better which i agree uh, but this seems to be my complaint with a lot of things in this film there's some good things in it but it's outweighed by junk so so much it's uh either unexplained or poorly explained that i always have a hard time carrying during this movie it's too bad because i could have it could have been another solid effort uh but it's left uh, it's left as very uh, math to me. Uh, I would enjoy seeing the Penguin revisited sometime in another way, which I do too, sir. I hope it's done as the Arkham City way. I think that would be spectacular. Maybe not as a lead villain, but I'd like to see him done right. I have always, I've 
always enjoy Michael Keaton in the Batman role. I don't think he was spectacular, but he was very solid in a hard role. It would seem easy to put the mask on and just be Batman. Heck, I do it every night. But many men have failed to put on both sides of the man, Bruce Wayne and the Bat. Keaton did both well. Overall, I give this movie a disappointment. Uh, a disappointed shoulder shrug and move on. Not terrible, but not good. That's all, Jameson, uh, the self-proclaimed STL uh, legend. Uh, So thank you, Jameson. Always a good time to hear from you. What's funny is uh, this is probably and hopefully, fingers crossed, going to be the first STL uh, meetup. Uh, I'm going on vacation. I'm going to the zoo, uh, which is about two hours from me. And the reason we're going two hours away, it's a free zoo. So it's a really excellent zoo. I really love it, but it's free. Uh, the only thing you got to bring is like your own food. But Jameson, uh, he lives in uh, he lives in Wisconsin. You know, I'm in Illinois, but Wisconsin's only about uh, 30 minutes away from me. And uh, he actually works right around the corner from the zoo I'm going to. So uh, we are going to try to meet up. Uh, so it'll be cool. I mean, we're only going to meet up for just a little bit, but you know, he'll get to meet my wife and my kids and stuff. And uh, we'll take a picture and then we'll go ahead and put it up on the STL page. It'll be like the first official uh, STL meetup. It'll be awesome. So fingers crossed that all of it works out. Uh, I'll give you guys an update on that. Hopefully it works. And then at one point in time, uh, him and and Brian and me, we're gonna get together and do a, a like a crossover movie mojo monthly sweep the leg uh, episode because those two actually travel in my neighborhood once in a great while and they know where I live, so it'll be fun, man. Good times, and I know a lot of you listeners out there listen to Movie Mojo monthly, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. So thanks, Jameson the Great. Uh, hopefully your uh, your Batman uh, Batman Forever email uh, you'll you'll like it a little bit better. So uh, our next email comes from uh, John the Music Man. He's like, "Hello, Mike and STL. Uh, Batman Returns. I remember being super excited for this film, but being disappointed, just like everybody else. Now rewatching, I gave it more credit, but not as good as the first one. What I liked was Catwoman. She was very cool. I think they almost had the that the penguin in it too much. Uh, I don't blame the actor. I just blame the script. But I have to say, if I'm in the mood to rewatch The Bird and Batman, it would be the 89 version over this. Take care, John the Music Man. So thank you, sir. Always a great time to hear from you. And uh, we have a returning guy, uh, Anthony, the epic emailer, writes in. And Anthony just recently joined the STL group. I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. It's been some good times. And uh, I told him, don't worry, you don't need to make it epic. So here's what he said. He's like, hello there, Masunis. You requested emails, so I'm going to go ahead and answer the call. When it comes to the older set of Batman movies, they were ones I've enjoyed when I was younger. But over time, my opinion about them has changed, but sadly not for the better. Which I think is the general consensus. Still, uh, enjoyed the first one uh, as it was the first Batman movie I saw and still find things that make me enjoy it. For Batman Returns, I'm okay with it as well, but to a lesser extent. To me, it feels as though that director Tim Burton might have went a bit over the top with some of the stuff, which isn't really a shocker if you see some of the other stuff that Burton has done. Uh, Another problem is that there were too many villains. 
as there were technically three of them. Much like with the third Spider-Man movie, it didn't allow enough time to fully develop all of them and I felt uh, hurt the movie as a whole. Can understand having more than one bad guy, but there's a reason why having just one works well today, which, you know, the Nolan movies uh, did has done excellent, you know, because you, uh, you had Scarecrow, you had uh, Ra's al Ghul, uh, you know, in the same movie, and then you had Joker and uh, Two Face in the same movie. So, uh, but you know, I, I hear what you're saying, sir. The majority of films do work better one bad guy. Basically, you should see the Batman movies at least once, but do not necessarily have to watch them to get prepared for the upcoming Dark Knight Rises, which obviously is a hundred percent true. Which I'm really eager to see. Pretty, uh, pretty much all of my. Uh, that's pretty much all for my email. Can't wait to hear the rest of your thoughts concerning the series specifically the one you did with jason i'm sure it's going to be worth hearing see ya so yeah i can't wait to release that one to you guys uh i'm i'm eagerly excited to get that out to you and our last email thanks anthony by the way it's been a long time sir uh but we've been talking more than ever now uh it's been good times so uh so yeah uh, thanks again, sir, for writing in. And our last one comes from John the Mailman. Uh, he's like, uh, hello, Mike. Growing up, uh, a 90s kid, Batman Returns was my favorite hero movie. I was young and didn't know much about Batman. Other than what I saw in the cartoons, it didn't matter to me that he was killing people, cooking them with the Batmobile. I was just happy to see a live-action Batman, which I can understand where you're coming from. You know, uh, which, like I said, the movie... As as time went on, the movie bothered me more and more and more and more. So, um, starts uh, starts off kind of sad. Uh, you see Pee Wee Herman putting his son down a stream that goes into the sewer where he gets raised by penguins under the city. I could see that happen. Uh, then he grows up, uh, takes control of the circus. And then takes over Gotham. Good story. I like the Catwoman story. Everything from her alive to the very end. Uh, I love how she has nine lives and counts them throughout the movie. I dug the love story. Her outfit was hot. Uh, and I know John the Mailman, he means that in a good way. He's not trying to be all nasty about it. And I like when Penguin took control of the Batmobile, which I didn't. I hated that. Uh, but it's okay, sir. Uh, I like the action at the beginning and I like the ending. I had the game for Sega which I did too that game oh unbelievable which was fun and hard uh, it might be the second hardest game I bet under the death and return of Superman only because you couldn't save and had to start over sorry I got off topic no you make good points man that's that's the thing about technology today thank you God, we don't have to worry about, you know, you got to shut it off. We get to pick up, man. I remember sitting in my room playing some Super Mario Brothers or or whatever it was, Contra. I mean, I'd sit there for like eight hours and be like, no, I can't go to supper, mom, because if the game shuts off, I got to start all the way over. I mean, those were the days, man. And uh, finally, he said, uh, I still kind of like it. It's fun and all the wrongness I see now makes it a guilty pleasure. Have a great show on vacation. John the Mailman considers email delivered. So that is all of our emails. Thank all of you guys for writing in. Always an excellent time. If you want to write in, it's sweetbladepodcast at yahoo.com. I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. So, uh, so yeah, that is it, guys. Let's get into the uh, music spotlight.
right, music spotlight time. Now, I'm hoping you guys are digging the uh, the summer music spotlight. Uh, I did ask uh, in the group, which I wanted to talk about just uh, really quick here. Um, the group page, um, the STL random, the STL Nation randomness group has been really fun. Uh, we just recently got Anthony the Epic emailer joined. Uh, he's had some excellent conversations. We had Ivan. Ivan's been really good on the Facebook page. Uh, he doesn't uh, post a lot, but when he does, he always has really good points. Uh, I thank you, sir, for joining. It's been really great. Uh, we've had some interaction uh, from Tawana. Uh, she's been really good posting some good stuff. We It's just the really hardcore fans have joined, and I, and I really wanted to encourage you to join the group. Uh, that's really where um, things are going to be happening. I kind of consider it the, the fan club of STL, if you will. Uh, we, we post a lot of good, fun stuff on that, uh, on that but most of all, uh, the Facebook page, you know, due to the fact of the new Facebook policy where only so much percentage of people are actually going to see your post, uh, officially now going forward, the movie list is going to be in the group. So if there's certain movies that you want to hear, you have to join the group to add to the list. Uh, we have a lot of good suggestions in there, and uh, it's going to be a pretty packed year. Uh, I'm looking forward to some of the movie requests. There's a there's a couple series, but there's a lot of one-offs. Which after the Batman series, I'm going to be doing a lot of one-offs for a while before I get into another series because series, uh, as fun as series are, it's a series, you know. Versus it when you're just doing a one-off every week, you have something new and exciting to look to. It could be a different genre, a different kind of film, different actors. But when you're doing a series, it's specifically that series, and it can get kind of tiresome a little bit. But uh, but I'm not complaining though about Batman. I'm just saying that uh, uh, as fun as the Turtles series and the Batman series has been, it'll be fun to do some one-offs. So if you want to go ahead and add on to that list, feel free. Uh, just go into Facebook under groups, type in the STL Nation randomness. Uh, then I'll go ahead and accept you and uh, it'll be good times. Uh, also, uh, please go into iTunes. They recently updated iTunes to where they no longer uh, rate your podcast by your reviews, but they rate you by your ratings. And the cool thing about ratings is you don't have to leave a review. You just got to go in there and do the stars. That's it. You know how long it'll take you to do a star rating? Like a half a second. So if you could just go in there. I'm currently at four and a half stars because somebody must have gave me one star. Must not have liked me. That's okay. But I kind of need a little bit more ratings. If you could do a five star, that'd be awesome. But whatever it is, any feedback you want to give would be great. I'm currently at 17 now. So uh, the more the merrier. Uh, The more ratings I have, the more people can hear the show. But you know whatever whatever you can do to help to help me out would be excellent uh, also don't forget on Twitter uh, if you happen to like the Facebook page remember uh, it's www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast there's actually another sweep delay podcast but it's a UK sweep delay podcast and they deal in MMA uh, you'll see crease and it'll say sweep the leg that's not me uh, you look for the one that has Daniel with his uh, leg in the crane kick it just says sweep the leg that's that's the that's the Facebook page that you need to look for. But uh, if you do like the Facebook page and you don't get the updates, if you're on Twitter, all of those updates that I make on Facebook go to the Twitter page. Uh, so it's been some good times. And then uh, YouTube channel, I do have a YouTube channel. It's been kind of dead. Uh, I'm gonna hope to get that rolling a little bit. And then the the last bit of news I wanted to give you guys 
was uh, I have some good news and I have some bad news. Um, do the the good news is is that obviously um, you know Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are coming very soon, uh, and uh, I as I promise we'll have the Dark Knight Rises review out to you right after the movie comes out. However. Um, I said next week I'm on vacation, then the following week you get Batman Forever and Batman and Robin. Well, due to some things that have happened, I got some work-related issues going on, so I won't be able to release a new episode until July 9th. Now, I know that's getting really close to the July 20th time frame, so on July 9th, uh, I'm going to try to do a double feature, have both of, uh, now not together, but I'm going to release both episodes, Batman Forever and then Batman and Robin. I'm just going to upload those on that day. So on, uh, it's going to be two weeks before you get another episode, but uh, I, I, you know, I apologize if that's a problem for you, but uh, you know, life gets in the way. So, uh, so July 9th, I will be returning back to the podcast. I'll be itching to get back. It'll be fun. And then uh, going to be hitting some shadowy flight soon. I can't wait to go back and, and do that. So if you didn't know, I do review the shadowy flight, Jason's uh, Knight Rider podcast. Uh, hopefully uh, you can guys can come on there and support me over there. I need some more listeners and, and emails and stuff. It's been fun. Uh, loving the show. Me and Jason talk about it on the Batman and Robin episode. It's been some good times. So uh, that is all the uh, all the updates I wanted to give you before we got in the music spotlight real quick. Now for the music spotlight, uh, you know, due to the fact of uh, this movie uh, really drags most people down, and I'm bringing back a classic. You know, last week I brought back a classic, Skillet's Hero. Uh, I had a lot of good feedback on that. That hey, it was awesome getting Hero. It kind of fit the it kind of fit the the theme of the movie, and then it was Skillet. So got a lot of Skillet lovers on on in the STL Nation. Uh, but I'm bringing back one that uh, comes from Episode Two. And uh, it's from my favorite band, and this is actually my favorite song. So if you guys ever want to know what's my favorite song, I do actually have one song that's like my ultimate favorite song uh, that I've played like thousands of times. But uh, I'm actually going to save that one for very, very long time from now uh, for specific reasons. But this is actually my favorite song. Uh, that I listen to all the time. It's from my favorite band, and it fits perfectly uh, because you know I'm tired of uh, you know this movie kind of brings you down, and uh, that's kind of what the song's about being brought down. But I I think you guys will love it. Like I said, it's from episode two, so it's way over a year ago. Most people probably haven't heard it. Uh, hopefully you'll dig it. It's good times, and it's a great way to send off this episode. It's really rocking and rolling. Uh, I love it. And then for the for the next the classic song, uh, I think you really dig it. Um, you know, it's uh, it's definitely a, a fun a fun tune. And I gotta end this off since I won't be back for two weeks. And uh, and and that's about it, guys. Uh, thank you so much for checking out the show. Really appreciate you. Uh, you guys are awesome. You're the best fans in the world. So uh, you guys take care. I'll see you guys uh, on July 9th. But don't forget though, uh, I'll be I'll be interacting with you on the Facebook page. But most of all, the group though. Uh, that's where everything happens. I'm on there daily. Uh, and hopefully I'll get some more new members because I'd love to hear from all you guys out there that uh, that's not in the group yet. So you guys take care. Masunas out.
sweat till you bleed Is that dope enough? Indeed I paid the price to control the dice I'm more precise To the point I'm nice The music takes control Your heart and soul unfold Your body is free and behold Dance so you can't dance So you can't dance no more Get on the floor and get raw Dip, come back and upside down Easy now Let me see you move movie batman doesn't even break a sweat he's not even worried like he's it's almost like he forgets he's fighting these bad guys once in a while and he's just like oh oh what oh yeah uh mr freeze yeah i'll go after him too right uh because there's just there's no threat level here it's so bleh this this is a cartoon okay like in the beginning after they do the uh the suit up and they show the butt and then of course they show the cod piece uh and when the bat nipples right the bat nipples and of course the suits just look horrible i mean we have to point out that the film the toy company is the one that designed the batmobile and and they told joe schumacher we are going to sell toys you are essentially making a toy commercial here you go and it's and it shows because there's no story and they're constantly throwing action figures or vehicles at you you know the smartest thing to do is for them to put a man of steel trailer attached to the dark knight rises i think that would be super smart for them to do as far as i know of they're still they got a big chunk of the special effects done so i think that would actually work well in their favor if they were to do that but i haven't heard of them doing it but i think that would be super intelligent for them to do mm-hmm. what do you think yeah why not yeah <laughs> yeah uh I, I tuned out for a second because I just – I was kind of surfing the web while we were talking. <laughs> uh, but I just came across a news article that's uh, talking about – have you been reading the Smallville Season 11 comic book? I know about it, but I haven't checked it out yet though. But I've been hearing really good things. I'm hearing great things at the moment because they're talking – there's artwork right here that shows uh, – a sneak preview into the first appearance of